You obviously know Kung Fu. Hey, this is Lloyd Bateman. I'm the fight coordinator for Loki, and this is the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Joining me tonight, martial artist, stunt performer, cinematographer, director. You've seen his work in Avengers Endgame, Zombieland Double Tap. Currently showing off his fight coordinator for an Asgardian god, Marvel's Loki, Lloyd Bateman. Lloyd, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Driving Podcast tonight. My great pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Uh, it's great to have you. Uh, Loki has been uh, doing amazing. It's been uh, getting some great reviews. Uh, how are you liking how it's going so far? I'm really happy. I'm really happy with, you know, the fact that people are, are digging it. Uh, you know, it's always a little bit nerve wracking when you do a job. You don't know how it's going to turn out. And so I try to focus on the process and I try to enjoy building and creating and teamwork and, and all the things that, that go into it uh, as much as I can and try not to think too much about the end product. But when it comes out, you always get a little, always get a little nervous that people <laughs> may or may not like it or that they may have you know, edited the heck out of it. And then there's nothing there anymore. Yeah, you never know. So uh, I'm pretty happy, pretty proud. It's cool. coming together nicely. We're always our own worst critic also, by the way. So there's, there's definitely things that I'm, I'd like <laughs> to fix, but eh, mostly it's the editing. Honestly, the sure. cuts are a little tight from my, for my taste. we kind of designed things to let them breathe a little more and, and have a, a little bit, you know, wider shots. And it feels a little, a little tight, which kind of bums me out a little bit, but eh, you know, it's working. Well, you know, let me let's get into that a little bit um, since uh, since you brought it up because uh, I, I talked to a lot of fight coordinators, a lot of stunt coordinators, um, and they they obviously take a lot of pride in designing that action. You know, you, you go into the previs and you, you you lay it all out and you have this this vision for for the action, uh, and then when you hand it over to the editor, you know, you're you're handing over your baby and, and you're trusting that 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 process is going to work out. Um, how how much more involved would you want to be so that uh, you get to that point where what you've created is what you see on screen? Well, let me preface a little bit because although I'm complaining, Marvel obviously knows what they're doing. They've, sure. they've got a great handle on how this stuff all plays out in the end. And, you know, they have a formula for the way that they pace things that works for what they're doing. Um, and these days generally, and I think, pretty much my whole career, but I, the ideal that I always have tried to strive for is to be very story oriented anyway, and not try to overdo it with the action um, and try very much to sort of incorporate the cast in the process so that they get as much input with where they're at story wise and, and whether they have some dialogue that they need to incorporate into it and, put, you know, help them find the spots where they can do that and emote correctly without having to remember lots of choreo, et cetera. But that being said, we do try to, with the previses, et cetera, lay out a very simple plan that in, in, at least in my case, I can't speak for anyone else. It's, it's very shootable for the equipment we know they're going to have on the day, depending on, you know, because cameras that are big and heavy is much different than getting in there with a DSLR and, and moving around too much. And there's always a tendency to want to do that with, with the lighter, smaller cameras is to get very subjective, get very inside. And we do do that from time to time because obviously there's places for it. Um, but the hope, though, is that the, the simpler you make it and the more in line with the story and the more in tune of the characters 
the more of it will make the cut in the end and the less that will get cut out. So we try to be as not, we try to not have as much superfluous stuff as possible, but you got to include some cool in there too. You know, you got to <laughs> get and eh, you know, you want to put some flavor, but uh, for, and for the most part, that tends to work. Um, but in, in certain cases, I guess, you know, they just got to take the air out a little bit more than, than I would like in order to, to help the pace of the whole piece move. Yeah. And I do understand that because I got, you know, a lot of screen time with a bunch of other scenes and it's not all about the action. It isn't. And when it comes down to it, uh, they got to get their certain number of minutes on the screen <laughs> efficiently and still tell the story they want to sure. tell overall. And I've been very happy with these episodes, so I can't really complain. But, you know, I wouldn't hate to get in the edit room and, and, and just nudge a few pixels here and there and a couple of frames on the end or in the beginning, because I feel like they, they cut in late and cut out early a little mm. more often than I personally would like. I like things to have a little more overlap, but yeah. it's, it, it's their style. And, you know, like I said, Marvel knows what they're doing. <laughs> well, speaking of Marvel, this isn't your first Marvel project. You've been on a few things with Marvel. So um, how did you get involved then with Loki? <laughs> Uh, so Loki came about because, uh, specifically I had been doing a show, um, a James Wan picture, actually a horror flick that's not out yet called Malignant cool. in Los Angeles. And, um, I had hired Zoe Bell to come on and the, the director really liked her and wanted her to be a character. So she ended up just not doing stunts. She ended up, um, acting on it as well. Uh, and her and I are, are good friends and we were chatting a bunch. And while we were working on that, she said, Hey, do you know Hank Amos? And I hadn't honestly worked with, him. I knew who he was, obviously he's super famous. Stunt guy. I hadn't actually worked with him at that point. And, uh, she was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, I said, I hadn't. And she said, all right. And then a, a week after I wrapped on the show, Hank called me. He's like, Hey, I want to bring you out to Atlanta. And again, I'm like, Oh, uh, all right, cool. So, uh, <laughs> he had me come out two weeks before Christmas. Um, to start um, previsiting a sequence that was part of the series. Just, I, I imagine just to see how it would go. And uh, things started to land and it worked out well. We got along really great. Um, the people on the team were awesome. And then um, as January rolled around, they hired Monique on. And, and uh, her and I have been great friends since, I think, 2003. So that also was awesome because we got to collaborate again, as we have in the past on a bunch of different stuff. So, you know, as performers and as, you know, coordinating and fight coordinating and all that. And uh, so it, it, it all kind of came together like that. That's cool. That's cool. Now um, you, you touched on it a little bit, uh, all the action that's going into this. Loki was not a show where I expected to see a lot of hand-to-hand combat. I mean, we're talking about gods here, you know, I, 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 you know, not knowing anything about the show and just knowing the, the mythology of Loki. I, I was expecting a little bit more magic and, and things like that. But um, when you knew that this was Loki, were you expecting to be as uh, involved and as busy as you are? Um, frankly, well, it's a very good question, first of all. Frankly, no, I didn't expect it to be as much hand-to-hand. I did think we'd do some more wire work. But they wanted to keep it really grounded. They wanted to keep the characters really sort of connected and in tune and make it feel a little more gritty and realistic, you know, a little more like, you know, these guys are getting into it. And Sylvie being this other character who is not a spoiler anymore. Everybody's been introduced to her now. (laughs) Uh, You know, she doesn't really fly around or anything. She can manipulate people and stuff, but she's got a very sort of uh, grounded. We almost kind of wanted to make her like, a machete wielding tie boxer with just like brute force. She just likes to fight. You know, the whole idea behind her is he's like, 
hey, we got a scrap. Sweet. Let's get into this. She likes headbutting people and, and you know, uh, getting her hands dirty. She's she's less of the throwing spells and, and uh, sending stuff around the room. Loki still has some of that. Uh, but he, you know, he's in it. He's like, all right, cool. I'm going to get into it with her, too. This is great. Right back to back. Awesome. So, uh, you know, we just sort of went with that concept that they were going to stay on their feet a little more and uh, do less flying around and try to keep them, you know, brawling, especially because the, the, the TVA sort of tends to take their powers away, too. Right. So they have to kind of come back to this grounded human level um in a, in a lot of places so there's a bunch of fights that take place in the tva where they can't use any magic at all so it all has to come down to their physicality um and then off world they do a little bit you know here and there but just sort of to um enhance it you know rather than have them doing these big flying leaps all over the place we, we try to keep it a little bit more grounded down to earth yeah so uh on that note then was there a particular style you decide to ascribe to the characters because uh, loki's got two daggers at one point and he's looking a little bit Kali-esque. <laughs> Loki um, has he um, Tom Hiddleston has a great affinity for kind of the bullfighter, um, very um, stoic, tall, yeah. reaching, almost balletic uh, yeah. style, yeah. Uh, and that speaks very much to him and how his character and personality are as Loki. And so we we sort of built a lot of his stuff off of that and had a lot of fun with him, you know exaggerating his movements and flowing and you know the, we did use some Kali sequences as drills and things for him obviously using nice. the double double blades but um for the most part it was more about trying to have him be like very graceful and then have again Sylvie be a little bit more like and uh, um, we reference Angbach a little bit I know it's old at this point but just have her just be like a little more I'm gonna knee the poop <laughs> out of this person right now you know I'm gonna roll under here and, you know, kick him in the nuts or whatever. And, and nice. they cut some of that out, unfortunately, because we had some good nut shots. <laughs> but just, you know, have her do some eye gouges and be gritty and like a little bit more of a street fighter, which is fun. Because um, she never lived the God life. She was always hiding, you know, she's always yeah, been yeah. on the run. So, you know, he comes from this place of this, you know, grace and she doesn't, she's an underdog. Um, so that was fun to develop. And then some of the other characters too, like, um, the Renslayer character, we had a lot of fun and you'll see when, cause the episode's out now, but we had, uh, unfortunately again, they cut it a little bit tighter than I would have liked because we really had some <laughs> moments of her doing some very Wong Fei Hong kind of, um, oh, cool. more Chinese style stuff yeah. with, with her particular weapon, which is like a bigger version of what the timekeepers all carry around their yeah. the, uh, stick that they use to prune people. Hers is a little longer and has kind of a dagger at the other end of it. So we, we played around with that quite a bit. And uh, it, it was cool. It was a cool process to give them each their own style and flavor and, uh, you know, develop each of them. It's a fascinating uh, thought process. Um, so uh, for you personally, how does uh, a well-traveled uh, son of hotel management professionals <laughs> get into fight coordinating and stunts? I mean, because you've got Nigeria, South Africa, uh, Canada under your belt. So how does that whole thing uh, go from there to where you are now? Well, it's, it's an interesting question. Uh, my parents are both in the UK and they both were working in Africa when they met. So that was kind of where the whole, that all started. Um, I was born in, in the UK and then went back to Africa because they were still working there. So it was very little at that time. Um, we immigrated to Canada and I grew up in Canada and um, kind of late in my high school career uh, and don't take this as a, you shouldn't do schooling or anything, but <laughs> my personal journey was, 
I was fed up with school and I was going to actually drop out and study film. Um, but the film courses in Vancouver Island were not great. And um, I really had, I had seen Capoeira and was super interested in it. And my mom actually, of all things, put on this like eco festival thing that she wanted to do in a theater and invited this samba group from Vancouver to come over. And they actually did Capoeira in the performance. Wow. Like, oh, wow. It's actually here right in front of me. And then, so we talked to them and, and I was eight, 17 years old. I decided to leave school and I moved to Vancouver and I moved into this place with these Brazilians and um, their kids had just arrived. They're like eight and nine years old. One of whom you would know is very famous now for doing the double male Lua knockout that was viral on YouTube, et cetera. His name's uh, Lelo. Wow. Cool. Um, but their dad anyway was my teacher. And, and so I lived at their house for a while. And then we started the first Capoeira Academy in Vancouver in, in Canada at the time. And I lived in the closet and swept floors and did warm-ups for <laughs> free training and, you know, did the whole sleep at the dojo and, and uh, <laughs> work for my training. And then we ended up traveling and doing school shows and tours. I went to Brazil a number of times. I learned to speak Portuguese fluently, went to Brazil, competed in Brazil. You know, our group grew very quickly. Now it's a huge international group. I unfortunately, we, we, you know, kind of fallen out since because obviously i decided at a certain point i wanted to do film work and they're very all or nothing the brazilians if you know anything about brazilians they're very all or nothing you know but i love them to death and at the time it was just a decision i had to make i needed to move forwards and grow in the direction that i wanted to go so when it comes to film actually interestingly enough there's a director uh, his name's peter deloise son of dom deloise who's yeah. passed away now um he had seen one of our guys teaching at the community center that he worked out at and decided he wanted to put it into the tv show that he was directing stargate sg1 nice and so he came he had a, he had his stunt coordinator dan shea uh come over to the school and talk to us and see if a bunch of us wanted to be on the show as extras and do some stuff in the background I'm like yeah cool and uh, i took the opportunity to see you know see the stunt guys and talk to the stunt guys and uh, pick their brains about what to do. And they all said the same thing, you know, get a headshot resume together. Even if you don't have anything, just put some skills together. If you can do some video, even better, find a legit way to get on set and hand it off to coordinator. So I did some extra work and I, you know, I was too shy to do the set hustle with the, you know, show up with a manila envelope, shake hands and walk away thing. I, <laughs> I tried to do it more legit. So I was, I had a reason to be there, but at the time we were starting to learn how to shoot and edit. And I actually Learned how to shoot and edit stuff doing this very first ever Capoeira DVD that, uh, you know, so I learned how to cut on Final Cut 1 and had been taking all this footage and whatever. And then getting together with some friends and trying to shoot ourselves to send off. To, we wanted to be in Star Wars. It was in the 90s. So we were like, right. wanted to be in the, the new Star Wars films and <laughs> sent our stuff to them. And they're like, yeah, thanks. We got people. We're good. Um, don't worry about it. You know, maybe one day. And then in retrospect, it's funny to be where I am now. But yeah. Uh, so, you know, one thing led to the next and people were like, oh, it's pretty cool. You could actually do some stuff. I got back onto Stargate and uh, the director had seen that I'd been hustling a little bit and was like, yeah, we're going to have another stunt guy right here. And it's going to be Lloyd. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so he gave me, he gave me a shot, kind of, you know, got the guy to, to upgrade me to stunt contract. And I did. So I worked in Vancouver for about 10 years. It was hard. Like I, I got the first one. It took a year to get another job. And then, you know, slowly it built up, but I did a decade in Vancouver before I met my wife and we moved to LA, cool. had a couple of kids and, you know, was living over there. And then um, I got a call from Sam Hargrave uh, because he was doing some prep for Avengers. And he said, Hey, if you want to come out and do a couple of months prep, see how it goes and at that point i just made this decision like i'm gonna try and prove to them that they can't live without me so i worked hard and did the best i could and managed to stay on the show for 
a little over 18 months, I think it was. It was almost two <laughs> years worth of working on the Avengers. And then uh, things just snowballed from there, really. But That's yeah, awesome. I mean, this is my 21st year uh, doing stunts. And That's awesome. about, I would say about five or six years I've been, you know, slowly getting more and more into coordinating and fight coordinating. Yeah. So how much of your capoeira training translated directly into your stunt work? Because stunts encompasses so many things. You've you got stunt driving and, and burns and, you know, and fights and all that. So um, you were recruited because of your capoeira skills. How much, how much of that continued to translate? Uh, a great deal, honestly, because the body awareness and sparring and everything that we do in capoeira and, you know, you should look up some videos of like tough hadas in Brazil because it's not really like everybody sees shows and they think, ah, oh, they're just flipping around or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot more than that. But sure. honestly, like the distance and timing and reactions and flipping and falling all played in. Re- it was a really good base to have um, movement wise. It's for me, it's a little bit like parkour. Like it's very specific to look at. And if you don't have like the right look, like Latif Crowder, for example, looks like he should be doing capoeira and people really like that, you know, play into the whole stereotype of it. For me, it didn't really work quite as well. So I had to adapt a lot and try to pick up other things as well. And, you know, luckily I learned relatively quickly and, and I was able to adapt to a lot of stuff. Um, but I would say from the standpoint of like being able to get kicked hard and fall down and get up and keep going, that was an important <laughs> thing because we get, sure. you know, our training was hard. My master was a tough guy. Messi Bahang was a tough guy. He didn't put up with a lot of weakness. He didn't put up with it, like, he didn't care, you know, get up, let's go, keep going. I think I broke a rib. So you can sleep later. You're going to be fine. So there's, you know, that kind of having to push through pain barriers was important because it's, the stunt thing is interesting because there's a lot of that. It's not that world anymore. It's not the, you know, cowboys and, you know, tying a rope off to a tree and getting yanked off horses as much as it used to be. There's still an aspect of that. And toughness is very important, especially mental toughness. You got to be able to push through a lot of boundaries and barriers. It is a magic show. It's all about designing and creating the safest version of everything that you can. Yeah. But there's a, there's a lot of stuff where you look at it and you're like, this is going to hurt. And you just got to do it. You know, that's what it's for. It's, you know, it is what it is. But so I learned a lot of that perseverance. That is a very difficult thing. I think for a lot of people, it's like, oh, it was hard to do. So I stopped, you know, perseverance was a huge thing for me from Capoeira that I learned from that. The physicality, of course, is important. Being able to learn to flip and not being afraid to flip and fall on hard floors. Like we trained on concrete. We trained on hardwood floors. We didn't really use a lot of mats. Um, we would if we wanted to practice bigger things and whatever, we would roll out a, a, a wrestling mat or whatever, but very infrequently. For the most part, everything was hard floor, barefoot, no pads. You fall down, you fall down, just get up and go. So a lot of that stuff was very useful. Sure. I wouldn't recommend it necessarily <laughs> because I believe in longevity and I believe in taking care of yourself. And I believe also in something I was never very good at was the self-care thing. Like take yourself to the doctor, take yourself to the physio and Cairo, Mm -hmm. take care of that stuff. I think that for younger performers, if this is an advice piece, very much so take care of yourselves because uh, you want to have a long, healthy career. You don't want to be limping around looking like a RoboCop because you got all kinds of, you know, broken joints and whatever, like take care of yourself for sure. But um, they were good lessons for me and they were things that I needed in order to help me get into this for sure. Um, when it comes to other things like driving, etc., those aren't really my specialty by any means, but it definitely having body awareness and, you know, using your full peripheral and all that, et cetera, is, 
is useful for those things. So you, you can learn them quickly, but everything, every different skill, it's, there's no shortcut. Yeah. You're not going to become a great driver just because you go to the gym and punch a lot. It's never going to happen. You have to get hour. You got to seat time. It's got to, you know, 10,000 hours behind the wheel to be able to do those things. The guys who are and women who are the best drivers in the world, they focus exclusively on that. And, you know, they can do other physical stuff, of course, but their main focus is that, and they've done it their whole lives. So definitely any, any other aspect of the industry, doing a fire burn is not such a big deal. You've got to have a great team around you who all know what they're doing and they can coach you through it. And then, you know, you can safely come out the other side. You have to, again, be very on point. If you get claustrophobic or whatever, it can be very, very dangerous and very difficult. Fire is one of those funny things that if it goes really well, you're like, oh, that was easy. But <laughs> it, if it goes badly, you're, yeah. you're you know, like, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's not something you can mess with. It's right. something that it's going to do severe damage. So, sure, sure. again, proper team, proper prep, patience, not yeah. letting anybody rush it. And they always want to rush it. And it's usually last up. And, it, you know, so those things are very, very, very important to yeah. know and to understand. So to backtrack to your question, how did that help me with other aspects of it? It didn't. It, you, everything comes from a place of learning. But you typically don't get a chance to learn all of those things like wire work and whatever until you get into the business and find right. a place or get opportunities on set to do it. So <clears throat> I would say that my training led me to the opportunity to get in there and start to learn all those other things, you know, yeah. uh, and explore those other things. But that, that's really all there is to it because there's no shortcut. Yeah. Um, a capoeira is it's such a, a beautiful art too. And uh, like you were saying, uh, most of us know just the, the showier parts of it. Like I was introduced to it through Mark Dacascos's movie. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Only the strong. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's, uh, 1992, I think the trailer. Yeah. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. So um, I got to work with him years later, by the way, which was awesome. Nice. That's cool. <laughs> but like you saw the real thing and I mean, you got to experience the real thing. What was it about Capoeira that held your interest for so long? It's an amazing, deep cultural experience. I've always, I mean, maybe partly because I lived in Africa as a child and, and the, the, I had an affinity for that type of music, mm -hmm. the drumming, percussion, the, the beating bow and the singing very rhythmic, very chant-like, and so interesting. The history and culture of it is is so deep that that was very, very inspiring. Initially, of course, when I was young, it was about, oh, that's cool, cool-looking movements. I want to do that. But what kept me going for almost 15 years was, you know, all the rest of the music and culture and the people. Brazil is such a vibrant, crazy, out-there, wild sometimes very happy, sometimes very miserable place. You sure. know, there's a lot of poverty. There's a big disparity between rich and poor. And so yeah. there's a lot of like, you know, surface happiness with like deep pain. Mm -hmm. And Capoeira is a, a, an amazing way to help people who are suffering to find something that they can dedicate to. And so I found that super inspiring. Like my master, for example, was one of those guys, you know, who's living in the, the, they call them favelas. They're on the hillside and it's yeah, all yeah. very, very poor. They're very, yeah. basically one room shacks, very small houses, kids with nothing better to do, but, you know, rob and steal and whatever, because they're broke. You know, you hear terrifying stories about what happens to these kids. And so from police and, and otherwise and gang violence and so on and so forth. But as something that in his case, he found that he could latch onto and that he could grow within 
And it gave him the opportunity to leave the country and start his own group and then grow that group into internationally successful group is super inspiring, you know? Yeah. And so a lot of that is what kept me going. It's just, you know, it's, and martial arts in general, I think do that for a lot of people who find it, it gives them something to really uh, get out of their head and get away from uh, real violence and focus their energy on something that's disciplined and, you know, even though you're learning to fight, you're learning to take care. You know, you're learning to care for those who you're with. You're learning control. You're learning discipline. That for me, for martial arts in general, is, is huge. It's a huge deal. And, and Capoeira in particular, I find that plus having the whole cultural side of it and the music side of it and the other related dances and, and percussion and, and music is, is super inspiring. And I can't wait to go back to Brazil, honestly. It's an amazing country. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds it. It sounds it. Now, uh, from what I understand, Tom Hiddleston is a Capoeira student too. Is that is that true? You know, it's funny. I didn't talk to him about Capoeira ever, but uh, really? interestingly enough, I just finished fight coordinating Hawkeye, and one of the directors, the, the Berts, they're called these two women directors. One of the directors does Capoeira, and she was like teaching Zoom classes from our training area. Wow, <laughs> so, so that's kind of funny. But yeah, I actually didn't know if Tom had ever trained Capoeira. That's cool. So how, how is his movement then uh, uh, in, in terms of coordinating him? He's very coordinated. He yeah. learns very quickly and he drills. He's not afraid to do it a thousand times. Cool. And he'll go slow and move through it. And, you know, frankly, um, Sophia, Sophia, yeah. um, she'd be done, like totally cooked. And he's like, oh, just a few more. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't do any more of these. Like he would just keep going and going. He has an amazing amount of stamina. In fact, before every take of everything, He'll do like 20 squats, 10 push-ups, and sprint 100 meters back and forth and then do the take. Wow. Every time. Wow. All day long. He's sprinting and running. and do, Wait, know, like Seriously? Seriously. All day. And I'm not just talking about on the fight days. He does it on the regular acting days, too. He'll jump up wow. and do a bunch of squats and push-ups and then do the scene. That's yeah, impressive. It's pretty crazy. He's That's cool. massively um, strong and, and tons of stamina. It's great. Yeah, you know, it, it must be nice to have... Uh, an actor that is willing to put in that effort and go beyond to to really bring the action that you're designing to life because it makes it so much more appreciable, uh, you know, as as a fan. Absolutely, and you know, you can do so much more with them because they're in it, it's their face the whole time. You know, you get actors who are just like, I don't know if I can do this. Punt it off the second unit. No, just let the double do it. And it's really annoying because you're like, why? We got you here right now. We worked hard. Like, yeah. why? I know you're tired, but we're all tired. Let's just do this. Yeah. So it's it was pretty great. That's cool. He put, he put in a ton of work. So did Sophia, by the way. She worked her butt off. And for and here's the thing: when we started the show, she had just had a baby a month prior, and she had oh. never trained martial arts of any kind in her life. So she was wow. fresh. <laughs> it was actually really good timing for COVID to hit because she took that time to recover and strengthen herself, and she would do Zoom training with uh, with her double Sarah. They would connect and work on stuff. And so she, by the time she came back, she was in great shape and ready to go and worked hard. It was awesome. Like they both put in a ton of work. It was That's really great. Cool. That's mm-hmm. great. And, and uh, again, as a fan, I, I appreciate uh, seeing the actors really go all out and, and being able to watch them do it. it. It just makes it cooler. It makes it so much cooler. cooler. Way cooler. It's way cooler when the actors are doing it themselves and you can tell that they've put in the work yeah. and you're not cutting from a tight shot of them gritting and then a wide <laughs> shot of a double and <laughs> jumping back. Like, you know, there's so many times where they cheat that stuff and it's like, mm, yeah, yeah, I don't buy it. 
especially <laughs> when you know, right? It's fine oh, yeah. if you don't really care. But when you know and you're looking, you're like, yeah, they, they just cut into the actor's face there because they didn't use them at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it sucks. It does. It does. And for those of us that, that follow the, the genre, um, it takes us out of it so quickly and so drastically. You're like, ah. Really? Did you have? That's to- another reason why I try to push for longer takes of stuff because they're doing it, and you don't have to cut out so frequently. So that's a, when I was talking a little bit earlier about being a bit bummed about how fast the pace of the cuts were in the fights. There are definitely sections where these actors are doing the fight for a lot longer with a lot more chunks and doing it great yeah. in wider frames. So it bummed me out because again, they put the work in so that they could do that and. It's unfortunate to lose that a little bit. Well, maybe we can get a, a second season out of it. We'll see. <laughs> oh, they're, they're already signed for season two. What? You can't talk. You, uh, can you even say that? Yep. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Season two for sure. I oh. think all the Marvel, all the Marvel series are going to get at least two seasons. <laughs> I don't really think that's rocket science, so I'm pretty sure my NDA won't kill me for that. <laughs> that's awesome. Legal, oh, man. Call, they won't come calling. But I mean, all the all those shows are going to have a couple of seasons for sure. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So then, then back to your stuff. Then um, beyond coordinating, uh, you've done some producing. You've done some directing. Is that the natural next step for you? That's my goal. Um, It's always been an interest of mine. And I spent a lot of years trying to do the, oh, I'll shoot my own indie picture. But um, it's kind of a groundwork laid for backdooring it now and, you know, work hard on set and opportunities are there with a lot of the new stuff that's coming up. So I'm kind of back at focusing on going up the ladder rather than trying to do my own thing. So yeah, I I, I do love to do that. And I'm hoping to get there. I have a couple of steps I got to Bridges to cross, we'll call them in the meantime. But <laughs> but that's definitely my goal for sure. What kind of stuff do you want to do then? Are you going to be more uh, – are you going to continue more with the, the action stuff or do you have other stories that you want to tell? I love action, but I love good dramas too. I'm a huge Kubrick fan. I love yeah. – um, you know, I, look, I watch a lot of Tarkovsky stuff. I like all the artistic, artsy-fartsy stuff. I'm all about it. So um, we'll see. We'll see. There will be action in it. Don't get me wrong. There will be action in it. But do I want to stick to just martial arts action? Not necessarily. I think I'm going to try and spread it out and do a variety of things. Okay. Um, And definitely like to focus on it being good dramatically. And you know what? I also like doing action comedy. I think that's pretty fun. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's there's a world where I would do a little of that, too. Yeah, maybe a little bit Coen Brothers style. Do the flip-flop back and forth. One Have one where the comedy is a backdrop and one where it's the main feature, you know. Cool. Mix it up a little bit. Very yeah, cool. definitely. That's my goal, for sure. That's a nice eclectic mix there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, are there examples of good action uh martial arts derived action or or otherwise that uh is in the uh is in the mix today that you look to and be like these are the guys that are doing it right oh 87 11 for sure chad stahelski dave leach jj perry now those guys for sure they're yeah. the ones yeah, oh, yeah. A lot of good stuff coming. yeah a million percent oh dude extraction two is going to be awesome <laughs> Extraction was so much fun. It was great. Right? Yeah, no, those, those guys are doing it right for sure. Yeah, I had Mike Lear on the show uh, to talk about that stuff. And, oh, no. uh, yeah, he was yeah, great. Yeah. He was great. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So then, um, tell me then, what is uh, next on the plate for you personally? I'm gonna go uh, next week. Actually, I drive down to Mississippi and I'm gonna do an Aaron Eckhart picture where he's kind of a washed up underdog fighter. He used to be really great. Now he's alcoholic. 
gambled everything away. His mom's in hospice and he's about to lose the house. And he basically, there's a bunch of people looking for him. He's got to get, uh, he's got to get enough money together. So he wins a decent amount, um, gambling and he goes to pay his debt, but he gets jacked and all this stuff happens. Anyway, by the end of the show, he's got to have one all out, um, to the death fight basically with his cracked out young freaky dude. So <laughs> it's a, you know, Kumite at the end. Nice. It'll be good. So we're going to go start boot, start boot camp, get Aaron in shape and um, do a bunch of training with him, get him where he needs to be and then uh, shoot this film. So that'll take us through the end of August. And then after that, I got a, another Marvel picture that I'm aiming to do, which I can't talk about. Oh, another Marvel picture. So it, it's one of those phase four type movies. <laughs> good enough. Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and, and uh, last question. Um, your first name is Lloyd. It is spelled L O Y D, um, which I think is the correct way to spell it. So, <laughs> Usually, it's two L's. I know, I know. I know. No Welsh, but I preferred with one. You know, my parents were hippies. I guess I don't know. Whatever cool. they decided, they didn't. They didn't want the Welsh because it's Cloyd in the original Welsh pronunciation. Ah, and for whatever reason, I guess they had a thing about that. Whatever. So they went with one L. Nice. That's very cool. Trying to be original. <laughs> well, because my name is Jeff, but it's spelled J E O F. You'll never see that spelling again. Ever. Well, anywhere. my middle name is uh, Jeffrey, but it's G E O F F R E Y. Oh, see, there you go. Andrew, Andrew Jeffrey. It's very English. Lloyd Andrew Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Lloyd Bateman, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. You are an awesome dude. Uh, the action for Loki is is fantastic. Uh, I'm looking forward to everything that uh, you bring to the rest of the uh, the series. And uh, I'll be looking for, for much more of your work going forward, man. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Also, keep an eye out for uh, uh, uh Nice. We did, we did that this year as well. Very cool. Heidi Moneymaker and myself and the team. And we all uh, – uh, Hopefully that one will turn out pretty great as well. It was a fun storyline, and the cast are awesome in that too. So, well, yeah, like you said, Marvel knows what they're doing, and they have they have hit it out of the park every time. So, uh, congratulations! Because you're bringing you're bringing some good stuff to to Loki. So, uh, let's let's see so much more of it. Thank, Thank you so much. Ed. Listen, stay safe. Enjoy. Uh, you're in Pittsburgh now, so enjoy Pittsburgh and uh, be safe, brother. Great. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Huge thank you to Lloyd Bateman for setting aside some time to chat. I'm really enjoying Loki so far. He's doing some fantastic work, and it was great to hear his take on how the action comes together. Now, I hope he doesn't get into any trouble for talking about Season 2, but if it's true, I hope at least he comes back to keep pushing the fight scenes to the next level. Otherwise, watch for his work on Hawkeye as well, because that looks like it's going to be another winner for Marvel. And of course, best of luck to Lloyd and all his other endeavors going forward. Give him a follow on his Instagram, at Lloyd Bateman with one L, because as we learned from Lego Ninjago movie... The other way is pronounced Lloyd, but drop Lloyd a note and let him know that you heard him right here on the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Because after all, the brightest stars shine at the drive-in. Until next time, Poison Clan. Peace. Poison Clan rocks the world.
Walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine and get it drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine and get it drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time is warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. I see the iron fisted monk upon the daily prayers. Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea they're roaming over the land. Yeah, the little big soldier is older than wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo. Got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars. Fight for the cast and pass here, the blast. Not again, back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but more. Don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here David D is coming back The Tai Chi master Jet Li's even faster The child a little drink Because he is the drunken master Once upon a time a shiner Rosamund Kwan is real fine But see Maggie show his spiner Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies Will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer Make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight May as well be the spot Yeah, the sky goes black Cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying To kill them all So stand back You place the black magic On the soul of the sword and our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaol in a mountain style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claw See it's a game of death yo You're facing the big boss It's once upon a time and Janet counting the TikTok The Shogun Assassin slashing blood as a jig drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the won't stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow But she is in the dragon but in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the wall Don't fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless Unleashed. The fifth legend that the guard yet leave. I'm Bolo Young, yo, will always be a beast. You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets. And it's simple, see the facts are these. There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee. Walk into the tea house, ready for some action. Drink a little wine, we get it drunk and then we're fighting. Ha! This time it's warm. We smash the place up with a dragon claws. We walk into the tea house, ready for some action. Drink a little wine.